months ago, I went to a coffee shop and went up to the counter and the young lady who was, who was providing the services said this, sir, I'm sorry to tell you, we don't have coffee today. We've ran out. Would you like something else? And I want to say, no, I didn't come to a coffee shop for something else. I don't want your pastries. I don't want your microwave sandwiches. I don't want your mineral water. I don't want your bags of instant tea. I came to the coffee shop because I want coffee. Does that make sense to you guys? Well, listen, guys, prayer is our coffee. Prayer is the essence of who we are. And I am really excited about talking to you about prayer today. And I want you to know this. This is a guilt-free sermon. Because when it comes to the subject of prayer, it's real easy for people to feel guilty. But I'm not here to make you feel guilty. And I don't want to feel guilty. I want you to grow. And I want us to move forward in prayer today. And the text, as we're going through Romans 12, 9 through 12, the text took us today to the subject of prayer. Because here's the truth. Uh, we can have a lot of good stuff going on here. Good music, and music was great today. Uh, effective speaking. We can make sure our children and teenagers are very happy because we've got programming that makes them happy and the building's comfortable and all the different aspects of a church service that would make a church successful. But if we forget prayer, we've forgotten the essence of who we are. I mean, prayer is the heart of why we gather. We're a people that we gather, not simply for social reasons, even though there's some social benefit, but we don't gather uh, just to hear great speeches, even though sermons can be inspiring. We gather because we're connecting with God. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is simply connecting with God. And so the passage today, uh, Romans 12, 12, says it this way. Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, and be persistent in prayer. Be persistent in prayer. Now, I plan these services, pray about them, and plan these sermons a few months out. So when I first planned this message and thought the title would be Be Persistent, I thought, well, this is going to apply to a lot of things. Be persistent in saving money. Be persistent in exercise. Be persistent in quality family time. I mean, this could go a lot of different helpful directions, right? But going back to the text, the text is obvious and it says something. Be persistent in prayer. Be persistent in prayer. What does that word persistent mean? I mean, it means pay close attention to. Pay close attention to prayer. Uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Show continuous attention to prayer. I got stuck on that P, didn't I? Continuous attention to prayer. Here's the reason why this is so important. It's because prayer drifts. It really does. For those of you who have been walking with God for a while... I bet that if we were to analyze your spiritual journey, there have been seasons that have been stronger in prayer than others. 
And there's lots of different factors of why that happens, but one of the factors is this, is prayer just drifts. It's easy to forget to pray. It's easy to ignore prayer. And I am concerned that the church isn't praying enough. I called some visitors this week. I was a couple of weeks behind on calling visitors because of my vacation and so forth. And so I was catching up, calling some of our visitors and heard some really good things about how friendly all of you are. So thank you. When you guys are friendly, it makes those calls much more pleasant. I had one, one family even say, hey, we've decided this is going to be our church. So that's a great thing too. I mean, that sometimes happens too, where two or three visits and they say, hey, we're in, we're in. And this one particular man who told me that over the phone, uh, told me about his church shopping experience, which is what we all do. That's not derogatory. Investigating different churches as he was new to town. And he made the comment. He said, I noticed that churches don't have prayer meetings anymore. This was particularly good timing for me because we had one scheduled Tuesday. But it is true. Churches don't scheduled prayer meetings anymore, and, and we're equally as guilty as that, okay? Uh, that was, again, good timing, that four days before a prayer meeting, I made that phone call four or five days beforehand. But the issue is um, a systemic issue that's bigger than just our body, okay, or, or our schedule right now. It's the mindset that churches, were not praying enough. We're not praying often, and we can even have, think about this, a, a, a good church that doesn't pray. But churches are, uh, church prayer is our coffee. I mean, that's the essence of who we are. That's, I mean, that's what people come to do, to connect with God. And so this scripture that we saw, be, be, persevere in prayer means so much. Now, I first memorized this scripture in a different version. It's, this is a great scripture to memorize because Romans 12, 12, that's easy to remember, right? You don't get numbers confused, 12, 12. Romans 12, 12, I memorized this in the NIV and we'll look at this in another version. And this is, Grace says, be joyful in hope. And that's one of my favorite phrases in the Bible, in the NIV, be joyful in hope. Is that not a great phrase? In fact, I first experienced this when I was talking to an older friend of mine. I was in college and this particular lady had not yet met her spouse and God gave her this scripture, be joyful in hope. So I always loved that phrase, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer, or, or, or persistent in prayer. Now here's like a little equation for us, that if we're faithful in prayer, if we're persistent in prayer, then we will be joyful in hope, and we will be patient in affliction. So here's the truth, God wants you to pray, and the enemy and demonic influences don't want you to pray. As simple as that. You pray your peace, your peace is deeper. You pray your focus is more intense. You pray and your perspective is righteous. Prayer is so good because we're connecting with God. And that's exactly why the enemy doesn't want the church to pray, doesn't want us to pray. He'll do anything to distract us. But I want you to know something today. Prayer is not for the elite. Prayer is not for the special. Prayer is not for the age. Prayer is for every single person in here. Every single person in here is called to pray, and it's an opportunity. I mean, it's standing before us. And so I want to do, what I want to do today is I just want to 
I want this message and this passage to elicit a desire in you to pray because desire is the start of anything. There's a lot of mechanics to pray and there's books and volumes of books on prayer and categories of prayer and definitions of prayer. But prayer is real simple. Prayer is you connecting with God. That's what it is. So the way you pray is gonna be different than the way I pray. The way people in this section pray will be the way different than people in this section. Prayer is us connecting to God. So the, the how-to, this is not necessarily going to be a big how-to. I believe this, if God can stir in you a desire to pray, you're gonna figure it out as you walk with him. And so this is what the scripture says, be faithful in prayer, be fervent in prayer. Make sure you're praying. And I'm telling you today, today, God's going to be pleased and the enemy's going to be mad because this congregation is going to leave here in 30 minutes more focused on prayer. Is that a good thing? Amen. Is that a good thing? Something that uh, used to happen a whole bunch that doesn't happen as often now is my children, when they were in elementary school, would come and give me the craft that they made during church or at school and they would hand me this gift. And it was such a joy to get that. Now, occasionally, this happens with other people's kids. I'll be at that glass door out there saying bye to people. And some toddler will hand me their craft. And there is nothing more delightful than a kid giving you a gift like that. I mean, it causes great, great joy. It's a delight to get one of those little gifts. But let me ask you this question. Do I need another paper plate with glued macaroni on it? Is that a need in my life? Do I need an empty aluminum cam that's been glittered up, that has a string on it, that has no monetary value to me whatsoever? No value at all. But I love receiving the gift because there's love behind the gift. I love, the child gives the gift to the adult and the adult receives. Now here's the truth. The adult, we don't need the gift. We don't need the craft. We don't need the scribbled piece of paper that a crayon has met. But the child needs it. The child needs the activity and the child needs the exercise of giving the gift to the adult. Well, this is going to help us understand prayer because here's my first observation about prayer today. We should be persistent in prayer. We need to be persistent in prayer because prayer is not for God. Prayer is for us. That's the truth. We are the child handing our craft to God. It has no value, no earthly value. God doesn't need our prayers. But God delights in our prayers. God loves our prayers. I mean, there's nothing that pleases God more than receiving our prayers. In fact, the book of Revelation lets us know that prayers are an incense to God. Our prayers make heaven smell good. They please God. It makes heaven more appealing. The prayers of God's saints are like incense to him. God doesn't have needs. You understand that about God. He's almighty. He has no needs. He, he is completely sufficient by himself. Uh, God has all sufficiency within him. So we, we don't 
prop up God or we don't help maintain God's emotions. We don't help God not feel lonely. He doesn't have needs. But in his sovereign will, he has predetermined to respond to prayer. And there's a reason why God responds to prayer. It's not because he needs suggestions. God doesn't need advice. God doesn't need cause and effect as if God is a machine and uh, he'll respond to what we do. And so we have to give him the right input. No, God chooses to respond to prayer because we need to pray. It does something for us to pray. It's good for us to pray. Uh, There's something developed within us when we pray. When we pray, Things are developed within us that our God wants to see happen. Now, Jesus talked a whole lot about prayer. He modeled prayer to us. He showed us prayer. And so we get to see in Luke chapter 18, a great story that he tells us. Jesus was the ultimate storyteller. And he tells a story in Luke chapter 18. He told them a parable. Now look at this, on the need for them to pray. I want you to understand that this parable is about you and me. This parable is not about the nature of God so much as you and me. This, the purpose of this parable is to encourage us to be persistent in prayer. So Romans 12, 12 says, be persistent in prayer, be faithful in prayer. Jesus tells a story for our benefit, revealing our nature. So he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not to become discouraged. And that's what this message is about. I don't want you, I won't want you guys to be discouraged about your prayer life. Now here's the story, verse two. There was a judge in one town who didn't fear God or respect man. So this is obviously not a direct correlation to God. This is a contrast to God. And the widow in that town kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or respect man, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, is that an interesting phrase, I will give her justice. So she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Then the Lord says, listen to what the unjust judge says. Now here's the contrast. Will not God... Here's a contrast. God's not the wicked judge. God's not the wicked judge. He's not the God who's pestered or bothered. But Jesus told the story about persistence, about faithfulness, about continuing to pray. And now the contrast is set. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay to help them? I tell you that he will swiftly Grant them justice. Now, is that not good to see? Our God, in contrast to the wicked, unjust judge, is a faithful, loving God. Our God is a God who cares for us. Our God is a God who understands us better than we know ourselves. Our God is a God who understands the timeline. And his timing is better than our timing, even when we don't understand why we think he is late. Our God is always on time. Our God is always moving. And this story, Jesus told you to say, don't give up praying. And this is what God is saying today. Be persistent. Be faithful. Be consistent. Keep asking. Keep seeking God. Why? You need to pray. God doesn't need you to pray. You need to pray. Here's what happened to this this widow lady. Every time she went to God, every time she went to God, it was an act of humility. She went to God 
Because she did excuse me, every time she went to the judge, this is a better way to put this. Every time the widow went to the wicked judge, she didn't have an option. I mean, she had to humble herself. I don't have any other options. He's already said no, but where else am I going to go? I, I've tried every, every bit of persuasion that I have, and I still can't get an answer. I've got to go back to the judge. I've got to go back to the wicked judge. I've got to go back to the unjust judge. I've got to keep asking. I've got to pester him. I've got to be consistent. And so it is God saying in your prayer to a God who loves you, a God who cares for you, a God who knows you, keep asking, keep going back. And when you do, it's an act of humility for you. I mean, you're saying, God, I can't quite figure out how to break through to this child of mine. God, I can't figure out how to fix this marriage. God, I can't figure out how to manage my money or how to manage my debt with this amount of money. God, I can't figure out how to get a breakthrough in the sales, uh, the quota that I'm supposed to reach. God, I can't figure out how to manage this classroom that I'm teaching. God, I can't figure out how to solve this problem. And when you can't figure it out and you don't know the answer and you've come to your end, then you go and you go to the judge and you say, can you help me, God? Can you help me again? Can you come through for me? That's the kind of persistence. That's the kind of faithfulness that our God wants us to have in prayer. Don't Give up on praying. Don't stop praying. Keep seeking the Lord because you need prayer. Prayer is for you. Prayer makes you the person God wants you to be. Speaking of becoming a different person, have you noticed all of the different diets that are out? We, we have the Atkins diet. We have now the paleo diet. Have y'all heard about this one? We have the Mediterranean diet. All of these different diets are named something. No one yet has come out with the Dixie diet or the Southern diet. (laughs) All the fried food and gravy you want. If you just eat fried food and gravy, you'll lose weight. I've not seen that one come out yet. But that Mediterranean diet, let's talk about that for a second. Fish, good certain types of oils that are good for you, olives, not a lot of carbs, vegetables, that kind of stuff. That would be a, a helpful diet. Nutritionists have determined that. So which would be easier? To go on a Mediterranean diet, fish oil and all that type of stuff, or to live in the Mediterranean area where they just naturally eat fish and olive and oil? Which would be easier, first or the second? The second would be much easier. A diet doesn't necessarily work long-term. But if you're part of a culture that values things and there's plenty of fish and there's plenty of olives and there's plenty of all the, the types of food you're supposed to eat in that particular Mediterranean diet, it's much easier. Okay, with prayer, this is the second point I wanna make today. Prayer is a lifestyle, not a moment. Prayer is a lifestyle, not a moment. Just as it's easier to live in the Mediterranean than to be on the Mediterranean diet, God wants us to live in the land of prayer instead of just moving from moment to moment in prayer. There are moments of prayer, and we'll have one Tuesday night, 7.30 tonight. That's a moment in prayer. 
that I thank God for. Uh, here in a few minutes, 15 minutes or so, I'll give the number six blessing that I've given the last eight and a half years as a lead pastor and pray number six over you. And that's a moment of prayer. At lunch today, you'll have another moment of prayer. So moments of prayer happen. But we don't want to live from moment to moment to moment. Instead, I believe God's called us to a lifestyle of prayer. A lifestyle of prayer. Where prayer is part of who we are. And so it is that in order to live, you have to breathe. Right? In with the oxygen. Out. In with the oxygen. Breathing it in. In order to live... You must eat. In order to live, you must hydrate and drink water. In order to live, wouldn't it be great? In order to live, we must pray. Not just moment to moment to moment, but part of who we are. We're a person of prayer. We're constantly in prayer. We're continually in prayer. We're, we're reacting in prayer over and over again. And so that's the place that God's called us to be. A scripture that's influenced me, influenced me greatly, especially in my early years of walking with the Lord is Psalms 27 verse four. It says it this way. Here is a prayer. David wrote this, or saying this actually. I've asked one thing from the Lord. It's what I desire to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. It's a beautiful scripture. You're, you're gonna wanna mark this in your Bible or write it down or bookmark it in you version. But here's a man who had everything, military success, a kingdom, all the wives he wanted, all the money he wanted. And he says, that's one thing I desire from the Lord, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Now, this was in an era when the presence of God was at one location. I want you to think about this. One location, that's the temple, that's the Holy of Holies. God's presence was one place, one place. You went to the temple to get in God's presence. God may reveal himself through an angel here or there, but to get into the presence of the spirit, you were in the temple. And David said, this is the one thing I want from the Lord. This is my dream. This is my desire that I can just hang out at the one place, the one place, the house of the Lord, all the days of my life. I could gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and I could seek him in his temple. I could seek him in that physical location, that one place. That's my dream. Guys, can I remind you of something? That was David's dream. That's your reality. Because the temple of the Holy Spirit's right here. I mean, you, you touch your heart, touch your arm. This is the temple. You are the temple. This is the reality. This is not pie in the sky dream. This is a reality. You can connect with the presence of God anytime, any place. When you call upon the Lord with a humble and pure heart, his presence is right there. You can dwell in the presence of the Lord all the days of your life. You can seek the Lord. And that's what prayer is. Prayer is not magic words. Prayer is not tired old phrases that repeated over and over and over again. 
Prayer is not sophisticated words. Prayer is connecting to God. When you connect to God and you connect to God in your personality and your perspective and your way, prayer for you is gonna be different than prayer is for me. But you can connect with God in the same way that you breathe and eat and drink. You don't have to be at this building. You don't have to be at a church service. You have direct access to the presence of God. You can live Psalms 27.4 to dwell with him. So it's gonna be different for you than it is for me, but can I tell you some of the ways I pray? You know, when I look through the course of my life, I wouldn't say I'm the strongest point of my life has been prayer, but guess what? My life's not over yet, right? But I've learned that prayer for me to, to give an hour time slot to God is not too easy. But when I wake up in the mornings, often I lay in the bed for a few minutes and I start thinking about what the day is going to bring, what my schedule is, what my opportunities are. And I feel the presence of God with me as I'm thinking through my schedule. And God is included in those thoughts and he's included in those prayers. When things are optimal and I'm doing everything I need to be doing, those are the last thoughts I have before I go to bed. I'm reflecting on my day and I'm thinking about the Lord. One of the advantages that I had this summer when I went to Jackson quite a bit for, for my schooling, I'm working on my doctorate right now at Union University and on my drives to Jackson. Man, those were long periods of time to pray and to think and those prayers weren't words often. I mean, sometimes they were verbal words, but sometimes it's just thinking in the presence of God and letting God direct my thoughts and letting him speak to me. Prayer comes through the music I listen to. And those worship songs become a prayer. It's connecting with God. The days where we used to try to be the most impressive with our prayers. We beseech you, oh great God. Our Father, it would behoove us at this moment to hearken unto your presence, thy great Father. And if you pray that way, that's fine. I don't want to make fun of the way you pray. I'm just telling you that's not the standard of prayer. Prayer comes in simple words. Here's one of the greatest prayers in history. Help! Help, Lord! Just saying the name of Jesus is a prayer. I'm telling you, find out a way to connect with God and find out the way you connect with God and live Romans 12, 12. Be persistent in prayer. Be faithful in prayer. Give your attention to prayer. Be constant in prayer. And it will change your life and the lives of those around you. A few months ago, I was down in Nashville at a part of town that maybe some people uh, would consider undesirable and I was filling up my car with gas and I noticed there was a gentleman who was moving. He was moving from pump to pump talking to people and he came to me. He looked like a really well-fed individual, but he asked me, can I have $5 for some food? Now, in the past, uh, I've helped people that way. I usually don't give them cash. In fact, I never do anymore. I'll go buy food for them. But this particular instance, I didn't feel led by the spirit. I didn't feel compelled in any way. I didn't feel any desire to help him. So I just gave him a very stern no. So he would move on. A couple of weeks later, 
my daughter, my firstborn, my baby, my only girl, the only daughter I have in the world, came to me and said, Dad, I'm going over to a friend's house. Can I have $5? You know what I did? I gave her 10. I didn't want her to run out of money. The same question to a man who appeared to me manipulating people's kindness. I don't know that for a fact, but that's what it appeared. Can I have $5? No relationship. No connection. And then a request from my baby, my only daughter, my only girl, the first child I ever had. Can I have $5? Yes. Here's 10 in case you need more. Here's why every one of you are called to pray. You're called to pray, not because you're the elite, not because you're the special. You're called to pray because here, the last point, prayer is more of a relationship, not just a request. Prayer is a relationship, not just a request. Now, I worded that carefully because the Bible does say prayer is our request. I mean, we present our request to God, but the request doesn't have the power. Listen closely so you get this. It's not the power of the question. It's the power of the relationship behind the question. It's, it's not the magic words. It's not the formula. It's not the timing of the question. As if we uh, have finally had exposure to the king and the judge. And let's get this question to him real quick because maybe he'll help us. No, it's the idea that we're in relationship with a God who loves us. And because he loves us and we're in fellowship with him and we're walking with him, that when we need something, the power is not the question, it's the relationship behind the question. I want you to see this in the scripture. Let's go to Matthew 7, 7. Now here's another great scripture to memorize. I've given you two scriptures to memorize today. Romans 12, 12, you got it, right? You can say that's a good scripture on prayer. The other one's Matthew 7, 7. This is, this is a good one, classic. I mean, you can't think of a better scripture on prayer. Keep asking and it'll be given to you. Keep searching and you will find. Keep knocking and the door will be open to you. Is that not a good place to say amen, Matthew 7, 7? And as it goes on to explain that, for everyone who asks receives and the one who searches finds and the one who knocks the door will be opened. That's another great scripture, yes? Now, here is the explanation of why this happens. Okay, we, we hear, you know, knock, seek, ask. Now, further on, he explains why. What man among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give a stone? Or, if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Now look at this. If you then, if all of you in here, all of you in here know how to give good gifts, gifts to your kids or your grandkids or your nieces or your nephews or some child in your life, if you know who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give things to those who ask him? This is why we pray not just to get the question, but because we're in relationship with the God who has the answer. 
I mean, you're in relationship with him. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're a grandson. You're a granddaughter. You're a favorite niece and favorite nephew to the Lord on high. You're a friend of God. You're the one. He believes in you more than anyone. He believes in you more than your parent. He believes in you more than your spouse. He believes in you more than your closest friend and your best mentor. Our God believes in you. Our God is for you. Our God is on your side. And you ask him, not out of pressure, not out of fear, not out of this sense of worry as if I hope I say it at the right time with the right words and the right phrase, but you ask him because you're in relationship with him and he loves you. And that's why God says, be persistent in prayer, be faithful in prayer, keep on praying. So here's my encouragement to you today, guys. I believe God wants to stir you and I today. Stir us as a church. Stir us as an individual. And he's saying this, keep going to the judge. I mean, go back to the judge again. Go back and pester the judge. Pester the judge. Because when God gets involved, I mean, he'll come. And he'll come and he'll, he'll come through very, very quickly when it's his timing. Keep asking keep knocking keep seeking some of you have given up on your prayers some of you have given up and you've stopped praying some of you have become disinterested or tired in your prayers and i just believe the lord wants you to know that you need to keep praying i mean god doesn't need your suggestions god isn't hard of hearing uh, god isn't He doesn't have this propensity to ignore you or play games with you, but he wants you to keep asking for a particular reason. He wants you to keep praying. He's developing character. He's developing perseverance. His timing is perfect. His timing is right on. So keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking the Lord, keep going back to the judge. Don't give up on your prayers. Some of you with with your spouse, you need to start praying about a certain issue in your life again. You need to start praying prayers that have become tired and that you've given up on. And God says, go back to those prayers. Don't give up on those prayers. Don't let go of those prayers. Don't let go of the hope. Be joyful in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be faithful in prayer. Faithfulness in prayer will give you joy in your hope. Faithfulness in prayer will give you perseverance in your affliction. Can we all stand together? I wanna pray for you today. I thank God that he's stirring things up within us. It all starts with a desire. I thank you, Lord, that that your scripture has been a mirror before us today. You said, wow, this is what we need to do. These are the type of people we need to be. This is what we need to do for the Lord and for the Lord's sake. And so we'll respond to this. We have a few minutes left. A few minutes left before I'm gonna give our closing prayer. And what we're going to do is we're going to do what God's called us to do, and that's to be a house of prayer. And I'm gonna ask that every person in here connect with God. It may be that you wanna write something down on a piece of paper or type something into your phone. It may be you want to sing the song that, or meditate on the song that Beth and Jonathan will be leading us in. It may be that you wanna take communion. Here in a moment, the table of the Lord is going to be open. And you can eat the bread and drink the cup as a prayer to God. I won't give further instructions. I won't tell you when to eat the bread or when to drink the cup, but examine your heart 
and use that as a way to connect with Jesus and say, Jesus, I want you involved in this situation. Jesus, you're involved in my job. You're involved in my relationships. You're involved in the class that I teach. Jesus, you're involved in the quota I need to reach. Jesus, you're involved in my health issue. Jesus, you're involved in this conflict. And and by eating the bread and drinking the cup, I'm saying, Jesus, I want you to be in relationship with me on this particular issue.